Welcome back to the Canadian Rec. This is Jamie Gray. This pod, we've got a treat. We've got three Canadian legends of the game, Brett Bukaboom, Evan Olmsted, both have been on in the past, and Matt Evans. Matt's new to us, and uh, we're actually going to have a, a solo chat with Matt here uh, this weekend, so that pod of his will be ready probably within a couple of weeks. So just a quick plug before we get started, you know that we're all on the social media, we're on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you can just do a quick search for us looking for the Canadian Ruck. Uh, if you want to contact me via email, it's thecanadianruck at gmail.com. Uh, so it's great when you follow on social media, but the most important thing is that you're subscribing, following, listening, but passing these messages out, pushing these messages out of our great Canadian rugby players, because it's important that they get the respect they deserve. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and obviously on YouTube where you can watch. And uh, if, if you need to know where to go, always just check out our website, thecanadianruck.weebly.com. It's got a list of all our past content, future guests, et cetera, et cetera, even some merch like this beautiful hat I'm wearing if you're on YouTube right now. All right, what's going on in the rugby world right now? There's been a, there's been a few things this week. Uh, let's take a quick look first the rugby and the rugby's landscape of the Lions Tour. All right, I, I've I've shared my feelings about this. I love the Lions Tour, but I also you know I also have some reservations around it for a variety of reasons, and they're on past pods. I'm not going to get into that. But right now, there's some struggles happening between the Lions and the pre Premiership Rugby. They're struggling to come to an agreement on player release and availability. Gats is looking to name his squad within the next couple of weeks. And the Lions are actually supposed to be playing on June 26th, uh, VG Pan, uh, as, a, as a Lions tour tune-up. Gats has been very adamant that those missing tryouts will more than likely miss out on being selected because the Lions camp clashes with the Premiership playoffs. Obviously, clubs want their best players available for playoffs. I can't blame them. And they're bucking a little bit at Gats' requests. Am I missing something here? Shouldn't Gats, who's watched all the Six Nations games, a lot of them in person, and probably most of those premiership games, shouldn't he know by now who's probably going to be on the roster? Does he really need to strong arm the premiership clubs to serve at the whims of the Lions? I imagine he probably knows who he wants to take. I mean, if I'm coaching and I'm watching that many games, I know who I want. And I dare say, if he doesn't, he'd get more from watching a playoff game than a day camps. Like, seriously. You're going to bring them to some day camps, run them, through some, run them through the paces, or you can watch them actually in live action to see how they fare. Oh, just my two cents. Maybe I'm off. Maybe it's because I've never coached internationally. Um, but I think you're going to get more out of, uh, of watching games uh, than just specific camps. I, I think he's probably got a good sense as to who he wants. It might be just some outliers that he's concerned with. Either way, the, there's some issues going on over there that needs to be straightened out. Here's a good heartwarming story. Dane Hallett Penny, a bit of a concussion comeback, hopefully. You all know my struggles with concussion. I'm, you know, currently <laughs> working through my 10th um, and still having uh, have, still having a rough time, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm progressing slightly. So Hallett Penny is looking to return after six months off due to a concussion. So the 32-year-old, he's, he's saying he's pretty confident he can return. But he hasn't played since Halloween when uh, Australia played uh, the All Blacks at the Bledisloe Cup. But saying that, he's been back at full contact practices for the past three weeks. And he recently said in the statement, I've been pleasantly surprised with the recovery. We just took sort of a cautious route. Rugby Australia asked me to do several weeks of full training and contact. I thought I may be ready this week, but they put the brakes on and said, let's just get a couple of weeks of full contact now. 
It's obviously to replicate a game. The next step is to play. So obviously I'll cross my fingers that we can get a win tomorrow and we can play a final so I can try and get back. I think that's pretty awesome. He also went on to say if medical advice is that he should retire, he said that he would do that. So he's, he's really taking cautions about himself. I, along with many of you, know full well the consequences of cushions and not being fully healed when coming back to play. But it sounds like Halepenny and Rugby Australia are looking out for him. Good on them both. And hopefully he's back playing soon. Uh, more locally, lots of MLR this action. This is an exciting weekend. Games, uh, a lot of hosted games on Saturday and Sunday. Let's take a look. Saturday's match, uh, our first one is Rugby ATL. They're hosting NOLA. Following up that one is a San Diego Legion, and they're on the road. They're in LA to face the Giltinis, who just keep revamping their back, their, their 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 whole lineup. They're bringing in new players. And then the Utah Warriors are hosting the Houston Sabercats. On Sunday, there's three more matches. Uh, your Toronto Arrows are in the Big Apple to face Rugby United New York. The New England Free Jacks are in Washington to face off with Old Glory DC. And the last match of the weekend sees the Seattle Seawolves on the road to face the Gilgronies in Austin. Speaking of the Seawolves, they just had a doozy of a coach. Uh, this just I, I just saw this uh, a few minutes before I started recording. Former Irish hooker Rory Best has just signed on with Seattle as a technical coach. You may remember Best as a standard hooker for Ireland, having just retired in 2019 after the Rugby World Cup in Japan. He's got 124 caps, two tours with the Lions, so he's bringing a great deal of experience to DJ Sears Drew and the Seawolves. Best of luck, Rory. Best of luck, Seawolves. That's a great addition. There's some excellent rugby on tap this weekend. Along with the MLR, I just you know, went through those six matches. There are going to be some great games. But also, there's some great Super Rugby AU, Super Rugby Aotora, plus a full slate of the Women's Six Nation. It's going to be another great weekend for some beautiful rugby. Make sure you uh, cue the PVR, get online, whatever you have to do, but make sure you're watching some of those games. More locally here in New Brunswick, we're getting geared up in Southern New Brunswick with the U18 League. This is a, our first attempt at it. Troy Skippy Dixon of the St. John Trojan. He's been putting in tons of hours and work to get this off the of ground. So my hat's off to you, Troy, uh, for all, all you've been doing. You've been running some contact camps. You've been making, you know, organizing players from schools to make sure that they can get invested in this. It's been awesome. So as of now, COVID uh, you know, with COVID staying the way it is here, we have three tourney dates set up. And this year we're going to be playing 10s because of COVID. So instead of our regular 15s rugby, we're, we're, the coaches and players are, are learning this new game of 10s. So if anybody has any great 10s drills, I'd, I'd love for you to, to, to uh, share them with me. So our tournament dates are May 8th, May 15th, May 29th. Um, and that will take us uh, those three weeks and then all graduation festivities will kick off after that. My team's been doing contact for the past week and a half, uh, doing quite well. We've got a roster of about 19 players this year. Uh, numbers are down because of COVID. Some were very hesitant to sign up, uh, but we've been, we've been doing some contact. We have, I think, six players that have played before, and we've got 12 or 13 that are new to the game. Check us out on Instagram or Twitter. Look for Ross St. Otherwood School Varsity Boys Rugby. You can see some images. You can see some videos of what we're doing. Lots of good action shots and videos from training. Uh, trying to incorporate some fun while we're learning the basics of rucking, tackling, all that contact. I don't know about you, but I know I'm excited again to coach. Uh, it was a rough last year. It had a huge impact on rugby in this area. And we're all looking very forward to getting back on the pitch for some meaningful, fun games. Looking for a cup of coffee? Well, you can take a look right there. My cup, the Canadian Ruck, printed off beautifully by my buddy Coined at ESL Art Supplies, is holding a nice cup of East Coast Roast Coffee. And East Coast Roast Coffee coffee is an independent micro coffee roaster here in St. John, New Brunswick. What micro breweries are to beer, 
East Coast Roasts is the coffee. And I love my microbrewery beer and the same goes for this coffee. They source from independent farmers and co-ops all over the world and roast in small batches to bring something interesting to the local coffee scene. If you're into a really fresh coffee, you can head over to their site at eastcoastroasts.ca. Follow them on social media. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Or pick up beans from Jeremiah's, the Paris Crew, the Art Warehouse, or Woodchucks in St. John. Get your cup now and enjoy, enjoy a beautiful tasting coffee. Coming up now, though, Evan Olmsted, Brett Bukaboom, and Matt Evans. All right, welcome back to the Canadian Ruck. We've got Evan Olmsted, Brett Bukaboom returning, and uh, new to the pod is Matt Evans. Welcome, boys. It's going to be a lot of fun talking some rugby. Thanks for having us. <laughs> We're all naturals, obviously. Good. <laughs> all right, let's jump right in. Um, Lions Tour is coming up. It's still being uh, it's still being hosted in South Africa, which is, in my mind, a little surprising. I enjoy it, um, but I also have uh, issues with the Lions Tour because it takes away from uh, a lot of other rugby playing nations. What would you guys' thoughts be on like a North American style one where you'd have Canada, US, Argentina, maybe Uruguay combining and, and trying the same thing like every four years going on tour? What, what do you guys think of that? Let's start with, uh, let's start with Brett. Yeah, well, that's, that's a great idea. I know, well, with, with the Lions, there's a lot of history behind it and um, it's a real honor to be picked to that squad. As you could tell, if you've seen any of the documentaries or if you've watched any of the test matches, there's a lot of passion behind that. So it, it, it's a great idea. Um, do I see four or five new unions coming together and agreeing to something like that? It, it, that'd be the toughest task uh, of putting that idea into uh, implementation. But uh, yeah, it's a great idea. What about you, Evan? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a really good idea, I think. I think it would be tough, I guess, doing North and South America just because of the language barrier. My Spanish is not too hot. Um, I imagine most of the Canadian guys would be the same. Oh, uh, you, but no, it, there, what's that? You, you just assume you'd be in a team there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, back yourself. Uh, but uh, yeah, if uh, it would be great if we could get together, get something like that. But uh, yeah, it'd be. I mean, if it just if it created a bit more attention and sort of brought some sort of atmosphere to the games and gave us another little platform to promote promote the sport here in, here in North America, that'd be great. Yeah, I think that's what my thought would be. What about you, Matt? Yeah, obviously it's a long-standing tradition, the old um, Lions tours from, you know, what they were about and everything like that back when travel wasn't so easy and it was a lot long old trip. They, you know, they used to go down for like three, four months together and stuff. But I think the principle of um, what we're discussing is like... Uh, the limelight being shifted to that and taken away from other rugby then to present a different opportunity for um, North and South American players and, um, you know, fans to buy into. Yeah, definitely great idea. Um, and, you know, it's uh, anything that can promote or encourage engagement with the game is going to benefit everybody. So, and if there's more rugby to watch, it's better for everybody too. So, you know. That's kind of, I guess, what my thought was uh, when the Lions tour happened, Canada was supposed to host England, but England would have been sending, you know, basically a B-side over because their top players would be with the Lions tour. So are we, as a country, really getting that opportunity to play against the best to, to improve? And the other thing was, as all three of you alluded to, like just opening 
a different platform up for people to to see some highlight high-end rugby being played at the best uh, with the best you never know england might not get too many players in that lines to us so it could be a pretty full strength england side never know (laughs) i think that's rolling his eyes down there (laughs) i agree with you mate i agree with you (laughs) they did struggle even yeah. even if we played against the like a second string English team, I think that's still a great learning opportunity for us. Like those guys, if if you took out say twenty of the regular England squad who are going to say twenty guys go on the, on the tour, I don't know how many they take in general, but there's usually quite a good England contingent. That's still like when they've got like forty guys in that England elite player squad or whatever. So you, it's going to be like some of the best players in the Premiership anyway. So I don't think we would find the games too easy by any stretch if they if they send that squad over and it'd be a good opportunity for them as well to like you know get some new caps in there and see how they go yeah no that's fair they they do have a they they have a lot of rugby resources for sure but it, it kind of ties in with the second one which is uh you, you guys probably all know the world world rugby started that women's 15 event is there something like that that could work on the men's side? I mean, there's the Six Nations, there's a rugby championship. There used to be, uh, you know, things like the Churchill Cup. Is there something else that could get the Americas involved a little bit more in some type of centralized international play? For me, it's, it's nice you mentioned Churchill Cup there because if you look back, Canadian rugby, when we w- were engaged in like the IRB a lot more, the way that the test matches worked, you know, geez, what, what, when I get capped, 2008. And that year we played probably, I think we played nine test matches and then five Churchill Cup games. So f- time together was huge. And, you, you know, look at the experience that we've all shared together as different, entering at different times in the cycle of Canadian rugby. it seems like now the opportunity to get together is few and far between really so having like a an inline program like the women have established now would that provide more opportunity for international rugby for guys or just regular rugby yeah that would be a great benefit and something like the Churchill Cup was a huge loss to Canadian rugby even though you know, sometimes you're playing A fixtures, but hey, we played some great Argentinian sides, some great Saxon sides, fr- French side, you know, you had Maxime Moz playing, um, Doucetois, guys like that at that time. And we, you know, we beat them down in um, Denver there. And that was a huge point of, you know, uh, sort of a foot, like a, f- a footing in what we were building as a squad at that time. You know, it changes with everything as you move forward, but to have the ability to play regularly like that and have something in line like they're presenting now would be hugely beneficial for Canada. What about you guys, Evan? Yeah, it, it's, I'm not too familiar with this, with the proposals that, that they're going to have sort of 15 teams, women's teams all playing at sort of like a, almost like a world cup type thing. Is it like a, or like a round Robin or. Yeah, in a sense. So they're going to, they're going to have three different tiers and they're going to be, going to one central venue to play against teams that are ranked close to them. And it's going to be every year yeah. except for a world cup year. Uh, so it's a chance to play, you know, Canada who's ranked third right now on the women's side, it's a chance for them to play those top five nations annually. Yeah. And if, if they're faltering, maybe they get bumped down to tier two or whatnot. 
but it's just, yeah. I think they're trying to create more venue for women to play centrally. So it doesn't cost as much and get a chance to play against uh, good, good level competition as well. So. Yeah. Well, that does, it does sound like a good idea and it would be great if we could have more games against teams that are similarly ranked. Cause it seems since, since I've been involved with the program, we haven't really played that many games against teams that are actually ranked closely to us. Like we, we get a, a couple, but we're usually either playing, we, like we played Ireland or we played like, you know, Japan who are ranked like top 10 or whatever they are now, Scotland. And then, you know, even even guys like Romania and Georgia, they're all ranked quite well above us at the minute. So if, we, if there was some sort of system to get like some competitive games to then you could build your depth without worrying that if you don't, if you try try out some new players against Scotland, you're worried it could be 100 points. Like it gives you that flexibility to play against the teams that are ranked similar to you. I think that's a great idea. Um, the only, I mean, the practical challenge would be that the men's game is like largely professional everywhere in the world and they have different seasons. Uh, whereas the women's, I think most of the professional rugby is either in New Zealand or in England. So they really only have two countries to deal with. Whereas, you know, we've got the French, French system, English system, Pro 14, Rainbow Cup, whatever they're going to call it now. And then the Southern Hemisphere, Japan, it would, it would be a tough job to try and coordinate that. Yeah, there's no so it'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great if they did. There's no global calendar on the men's side, right? It makes it that much more difficult. Yeah. Any thoughts there, Brett? Yeah, just building on what uh, Matt and Evan said, that, you know, the more rugby Canada is exposed to and that they're able to play at a test level, the, the better exposure, the better team cohesion would be. But again, as both, both these guys alluded to, um, it'd be a tough task getting all these rugby playing nations on the same page and agreeing to the same, same uh, schedule. Um, because again, uh, it's dominated by professional leagues and these tier one nations have tournaments in place that create a lot of revenue for them. So it, it'd be a tough task to coordinate everything. Yeah, it'd be a shame if it, it did go through and, and Canada was missing the likes of Evan Olmsted or Tyler Ardron because they're over in Europe playing and it just, it would, I think, diminish Canadian rugby that much more. Um I don't know. It's just kind of something I thought like this would be a really cool idea if it could happen, if there could be a global calendar. And I, I don't think that is anywhere on the horizon. I know they've been world rugby's talked about it a bunch, but I don't know if it can, if it can actually happen. So being a multi-sport athlete, something that I fully endorse. I've always argued that rugby is a great sport, especially in Canada or United States where oftentimes it's not your primary sport, but it'd be, you know, secondary be off of hockey or basketball or football. Uh, because of its physical nature, the toughness involved, emphasis on foot and hand work and camaraderie. What sports did you guys play growing up? And, and how did those sports help you reach the top of your game professionally and internationally uh, with the rugby team, with Rugby Canada? Go on, Brett. <laughs> so, so, yeah, growing up, basically every sport that I could play, I played. Um, firstly, you know, that was, was hockey, basketball, volleyball, um, golf as well um, and it's it's just the there's a lot of transition and there's a lot of crossover between the certain skills and aspects of all sports so the more sports you play it gives you the greater ability to be able to adapt and and uh, create a broader skill set within within the rugby sense um, because you see well and a lot of NCAA recruiters say this they don't want uh, 
they don't want to recruit players that just play one sport. They want them to have like to be multi-dimensional. They want them to uh, to really uh, excel and be able to play different sports because it it can mitigate like uh, it can mitigate mitigate injuries. It can increase you know space spatial awareness and different skill sets involved with one particular sport that you want to pursue. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. My, you know, my personal path was a bit different. What I did was I played loads of sports and figured out I was pretty crap at most of them. So then I had to focus on rugby because I knew what was going on. So I, I left the UK and moved to England when I was um, left England and moved to Canada when I was eleven. So I never got exposure to hockey. I was well. I I got on the ice, but it was behind one of those sort of like uh, cone-shaped <laughs> things. That you along, so that was good. Um, did you evolve past that? Yeah, I know. No, I never did. No, but uh, floor hockey was more my game. I enjoyed that. But yeah, I, my exposure to North American sports was just a a love for um, the spectator side of it. Really, we used to go and watch the Couch and Valley Capitals teams like that and on like Friday nights and stuff I love hockey I love watching basketball I tried to play at high school I had a couple of panic attacks and stuff like that playing it when I actually had to play but I was all about the training and being involved with it because it was fun and that was the biggest thing I've always enjoyed sport for the fun side of it and I think that's why you play when you're younger and these multi-sport athletes if you're enjoying doing something whether it's tennis badminton to hockey to rugby you know rowing whatever you want to do and it's something that brings you joy push on with that and uh i think that yeah when you start heading to this elite stuff it could have an influence on hand-eye coordination um reaction time game sense all that sort of stuff but uh the initial thing's got to be from a fun perspective and um you know that's what will keep you involved in something. You see it pretty quick in rugby, guys professionally, guys who get involved in their, you know, feeling of enjoyment falls out of it. And it's a tough thing to do, you know? So, um, yeah, I'd encourage everybody to try something. You might be good at lots and enjoy everything, or you might be bad at quite a few and end up really enjoying one. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's good points there. Yeah. For, for me, I was a bit the same. Um, like I played a lot of different sports as a as a young as a youngster. Um, like pretty much, I tried cricket. I wasn't very good at cricket. Didn't have the patience for golf. But I was really big into. I played soccer. Then then switched over to rugby. They, those seasons were at the same time. And then um, it was basketball and rugby up until pretty much I left high school. And for me, yeah, I agree with what Books was saying, especially about the the coordination and the other skills. But I. I firmly believe that if I'd stopped playing basketball earlier, I would have been a much better rugby player at a early, at a younger age. Just because for me, the main thing holding me back around sort of the those really important years in the Australian system of like 15 to 18 was my weight. And I was playing like three games of three teams of basketball a week and three teams of rugby a week. So I was, I was the fittest guy in the world, but I was a string bean and I couldn't put a kilo on to save myself. And 
I just like, I was stuck at like 80 kilos, 85 kilos up and even in grade 12, I was the same height I am now, but I was 85 kilos and I was competing against guys who were 110 kilos. And, you know, I had good awareness and good ball skills and whatever, but like, you know, my dominance in the contact area was just nowhere because they had 30 kilos on me. So for me, I kind of think that, yeah, you should play heaps of sports while you're young and have as much fun as you can, but it's, depends on each specific sport when they start getting serious but for rugby in australia it was about 15 is when they started to like really nail down academies and that's when the size thing was really starting to become more evident that guys were some guys were getting bigger and stronger and those guys naturally were picked even even though i would say i was a better player in terms of skills and whatever but they would they would say oh look at that monster like we can we can teach him skills we can't teach you big so for me, I'd say like if if I'd stopped playing basketball at about 15 as opposed to 18, that would have helped me because I was I was there or thereabouts. I was right on the edge of selection, and the guys that they picked were just they were definitely not better. They were definitely bigger though, and I think if I could have just stopped running so much, on like you know, stopped doing two different training sessions, a basketball training and a rugby training each night of the week and then three games on the weekend or whatever, that would have helped me. But that's just me. And that, that's kind of my thought. So if I like, if I had kids and they were going through the same sort of situation, that's what I'd advise. I'd be like, you know, play everything, see what you like. I'd definitely try and keep them away from rugby as well, though. Just get them into golf or tennis, you know, low impact, good, good salaries. And uh, yeah. It, so, it sounds like with Once you. Once it times to focus, then focus. It sounds if like. If you're serious about it. With you, it was more basketball and rugby kind of interfered with each other because it was happening at the same time. If they had been in different yeah. seasons, it might have been a different story. Well, they were in different seasons. Like there was some basketball that was kind of running. Some basketball ran all year round. Obviously, being indoors, you can do that. But it was mostly a summer sport in Australia and rugby was a winter sport. But it's just like you go, you know, you have your rugby season and then it's time. Like you have the summer to bulk up and add weight and, you know, try and, you know, hit the gym. And so you're hitting the gym as much as you want. But if you're just burning so many calories on a daily basis and, you know, your knowledge of nutrition is all not all that great back then. So, you know, you know, to, to be putting, you don't know that much about calories. Maybe the kids these days do know all that stuff. I'd probably say they probably wouldn't. Although the internet, Google's way better than it was. Internet and everything is way better now. But, uh, you know, to put in that many calories and to actually gain weight while doing that much activity, it's going to be pretty difficult. And so if you just, I, yeah, especially in the forwards, maybe if I was a winger, it wouldn't have mattered, but you know, being in the positions I am, I needed, I needed, a, if I, if I had an extra 10 kilos in my grade 12, like, you know, my traject, my professional trajectory could have kicked off a lot earlier, I think, but that's yeah, maybe so. Yeah, and that's, and just comparing myself to guys who are in the same teams of similar ability that we were, you know, going in the same direction most of the way. And then, you know, they went up this way and then I kind of went sideways this way. We, you know, we're all got there eventually, but could have happened a bit quicker. That's fair. That is fair. All right. So we've got a few questions here that are just kind of like one-offs, just very simple answers. And we'll start with Matt, then we'll go to Brett, and then we'll go to Evan. So the first one is, Matt, what would be your favorite venue to play? So if it was a match for world domination, where would you want to play that game? Uh, Millennium Stadium. Millennium That's, Stadium? Yeah, we played there a couple of times. It's brilliant. Good shout. Brett, what about you? 
I'm going to go. I agree. Millennium Stadium was a great venue, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to my Cornish Pirates roots. I'm, I'm seeing Mene. I, we pack the Mene at capacity crowd and get naughty boys corner bumping. I think uh, <laughs> the home team there is not losing. <laughs> you, you beat Saracens, didn't you? Yeah, they, yeah, that's what happens. Persons came down to the Mene and they didn't like it, right, Matt? Yeah, they got rid of you and me, mate, and then all of a sudden it's just beating, beating European champs. Uh, what about you, Evan? Uh, for me, Eden Park. Eden Park, that's a good one too. All right, so next one. What's your favorite country that you've played in, like to visit, to play in type thing? Same, same, Matt, Brett, Evan, same order there. Irish are pretty good hosts. I enjoyed playing there. Turn apart. Good night out afterwards. Good. Yeah. Ireland, good. Yeah, I'd probably have to say uh, Ireland as well. We played uh, at Aviva Stadium. The one was at 2016. It was a great atmosphere. And, you know, the city was, they were great hosts there. Excellent. Yeah. Two Irish. Yeah, I agree with Brett, but since he's already said it, frees me up to say France, just because of the the crazy atmosphere at the games, the the abuse, the bans, you know, the smell of cigarette smoke in the stadium. That you you know, it just brings you back to a bit of a bygone time. It's still allowed to smoke in the stadium there. Oh, I'm not allowed to, but people <laughs> just, just do. <laughs> All right, so this is a this is a listener question. So a guy sent me this from Twitter, CC Payne. He wants to know who was a club player that you played with that you think could have played it to the next level, like could have made international, could have made Canada if they had have, you know, stuck with it or had a different opportunity. Anybody come to your mind that we played with when you were younger that could have actually went further than they did? I'll give you a second to think on that one because I didn't email that one to you beforehand. One of the most talented guys I ever played with who skill set was a guy called Peter Joel and he played at SMU and is like a crazy good golfer and stuff now. But I always remember like he used to play, Nate Hiriyama would know him really well uh, as well, but he was a fantastic ball player um, and somebody who had he had the exposure to playing a lot more rugby with the opportunity, whereas he, he chose education. I think he went over to UBC, maybe something like that. I might go that wrong. Get a message about that later. But, um, but they, uh, yeah, he, he's a guy who always in that the BC high school games and stuff like that. He was always uh, somebody who stood out. Um, but yeah, Peter Joel. All right. Brett, what about you? Yeah, well, just thinking of, thinking about some local guys that uh, I played with or grew up with in Lindsay and played played on representative teams uh, as well. Two names that come to mind is Jeremy McCarty. He had uh, he, he chose to go the hockey route and played some junior A um, and uh, and he, he had some great potential. Then there's another guy, Nathan Reeves. Uh, he played the Ken under 17s and uh, Lindsay and Ontario together. He was another guy with great potential, but uh, they they chose different different paths in 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 their careers, and they, I'm sure they uh, they're they're enjoying just as much success um, outside of rugby. Awesome. Yeah. How about you, Evan? Yeah. And I got two guys who I who I grew up with in Australia. Um, 
the first one was a number eight called Luke Risman, and he was like he he made the Australian schoolboys, you know, as a seventeen year old, which was you know basically a year younger than everyone else. Uh, and he was really good, and I'm not sure sort of what happened what happened to him if he just kind of lost interest or whatever. But we we played together a little bit of like under twenties rugby in Australia, and then he kind of just sort of stopped playing seriously. Just you know got a job and you know played for fun after that another guy we also went to my high school was uh, Eric Moss and he was just like he was the he was a 12 he should have really changed into a nine because he was just really really small but he was um yeah he was like one of the bravest defenders and you know just a skillful player but I, I remember as a youngster like a, a giant prop took a quick and took a quick tap and he would have had it would have been about 110 kegs to 70 maybe like he, he looked like Gio Aplon you know little South African winger um, and he just picked up this guy drove him back and then like it, you know these days would be a red card for a spear tackle but then dumped him on his head and I just thought man this guy like to be able to pick that guy up and you know straight on tackle um, and he he just he still plays club rugby in Sydney and he's a really, he's a good player, but you know, maybe a few different, if he took a few different twists and turns or whatever throughout his career, maybe it could have gone different. Oh, good. There's good, some good names there. It sounds like you guys held those guys to high regards. I like that. All right. We're going to be, uh, we're going to do our quick fire section now. So for, Evan and Brett's kind of gone through these before. So the questions are a little bit different. And when you answer, you have to answer one of you three, or if you really want, you can throw Matt Book and move under the bus because he uh, he failed to show up. He's playing COD right now, so <laughs> let's let's jump right in here. So of the of the three of you, who has the best nickname? Books Bukaki. That's not what it stands for. That's not a very G-rated answer. <laughs> I'd say that one wins. All right. Yeah. Of all of you, who has the most skill? Mavs. Oh, yeah, Mavs. Mavs. You Please, you've got two second rows here. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. You you where? Because I know they wouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely Mavs. He's got caps. At, he's played 10. He's played all over yeah, the back. He can actually kick. And so just even if our passing skills were as good, which they're not, he can kick, so he wins. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Who's going to stop a 2v1? Probably Mavs again. Yeah. Oh, come although, on, second. Although round. he was uh, the most yellow carded player in the championship for stopping two v one by slap down for a while. <laughs> I was actually. Yeah. Does that count? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Boots would be pretty handy. He was a non-traveling. Well, he was a traveling reserve for the Canadian Sevens team. Non-traveling reserve. So. <laughs> one injury away from home. One injury away. Just need one more guy to get hurt. <laughs> to be fair, I actually reckon Matt Bukabu might be all right because he's I've I've I played against him here. He's very fast. He's surprisingly fast for a for a big guy. So he you know might might be able to chase the guy down. Okay, maybe. Of all of you, who is the best tackler? Books, Mister Consistent. Mister Consistent. The Pirate stats up. You going to take that, Brett? That yeah. you. Yeah, Evan, Evan would be good too. Like, Evan, Evan's got some highlight shots. Evan's an aggressive guy. Evan's an aggressive guy. He'd be yeah. steady Eddie down at the bottom right of my screen here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Of, of the three, I think I know we're this, pretty close. I know. I think I know the answer. But of the three of you, who would be the first to get a card in a match? Evan. Me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I'd say that too. 
All right, this is probably the same answer. Who's the dirtiest player of all of you? Well, I wouldn't say I'm dirty. <laughs> like, you loved in France, haven't you? Yeah. yeah how many I did, I did. have per game down there? <laughs> yeah, see, I, see, I don't do anything like that, but yeah. Well, I guess I did I did almost break the Biarritz record for the fastest uh, suspension upon arrival at the at the, the ground. I got the, you get you get a suspension for three yellow cards in the season and I got that in about five games. So <laughs> wasn't dirty, but yeah. Wasn't clean. These, these, wasn't these, defending these, two on one. These, these two are very these two are very clean, so <laughs> all right. Who gets who gets in trouble with the coach more? Evan. Maybe. Oh, no. I don't really get in trouble with the coach. I did maybe. His first know. tour with Canada, he was he was late for everything. Yeah. I was like I got a, I, like I got assigned as his roommate. So he would <laughs> yeah, be well, on time. We were roommates. We were I had to room with him for an entire tour. Yeah. An entire tour. So he would be on time for stuff. That's a lot of pressure on you, Matt. That was like one time though. It was like one time <laughs> yeah. then it was a big a, deal that was made a, of it. That was a one eight week World Cup that we were at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was over three months and he was late dead. <laughs> all right. Out of all of you, who's One the fittest? Time. Who's the fittest? Mavs, I'd say. Mavs again. Yeah, Mavs. Carrying who, a little less timber than those guys, though. Well, and at the minute, Mavs is doing a charity run as well. So how many kilometers are you running a day for that charity run, Mavs? Well, ten, 10 a day at the moment for 30 days, so... Jesus. I don't think I've run that's 10 that, in my that's lifetime. That's got back written all over it. Yeah. Hey, I'm going all right. I ran PB today in 44 minutes this morning. Good for you. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a little easier. I'm a little closer to the ground and carrying If anybody's ever seen my legs, they're not much So what's the charity you're at the for? moment? Uh, I'm running for uh, sports, uh, Sport Cornwall Foundation, which is a charity uh, that invests in uh, community sport to help with um, a range of things from uh, junior community um, football, rugby venues to uh, helping with uh, mental health and people who are trying to uh, reignite their life, really to get back into work by using sport as a channel to promote confidence and um, a healthier lifestyle, really. So, so how, how would somebody make a donation? Uh, if you go to the Cornish Pirates site, um, uh, cornish-pirates.com, uh, there's a Just Giving page on there. And yeah, anybody who wants to have a quick read about it and maybe um, if they got a couple bucks spare, it would be hugely appreciated. It's a, it's a great they, county we live in here. Books do spend do a lot they of time accept here. Canadian money? Do they accept Canadian money or what? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they do. Otherwise, Books has got a pretty hefty bank account over here still, so I'm sure he'll do a trade <laughs> exchange for some of them. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's the best at yoga? Not me. I don't think not you. Matt <laughs> <laughs> looks like he's going to be Matt Bukaboom. Matt Bukaboom, probably because he spends a lot of time <laughs> in dark, warm places. I guess like playing cod, maybe stretching a bit. Then as well, who knows? He's the younger, so it will be the most flexible activity other than rugby and Call of Duty. But yeah, we'll give it to Matt. <laughs> yeah. Who's got the best taste in music? Books is oh. pretty good, but Ebbs, you're pretty uh, eclectic, aren't you? You like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like a bit of everything. I don't know. Yeah, you're 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 the, you're the guy to go to on country music, that's for sure. I impressed. Yeah, yeah. Books and I lived together for quite a long time. We we didn't 
stray too much from country radio. I think Evs would be <laughs> probably considered a bit more diverse. <laughs> Good word, diverse. diverse. All right, who's the best cook? I'm not sure. Well, judging you guys by live together. Judging by Evan's size right now and living in France, <laughs> probably him. Melinda. There we go. My That's fair. <laughs> All right. I think I, I know just, the answer. It's just I think beer and inactivity. It's very, very simple formula. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this one because you've kind of already alluded to it, but who's the worst roommate on a road trip? Yeah, be Evan Olmstead. <laughs> Evan Olmstead. <laughs> oh, do you know what, Ev? I'm going to be kind to you. You're not the worst roommate. It's just, oh. it's, it's just the... It's just the uh, the situation <laughs> we found ourselves in, where I was your uh, sort of carer for those those <laughs> three months. So that's probably tainted my view. You weren't actually bad. You didn't snore. You weren't overly messy, to be honest. You were uh, you you were pretty reluctant to put clothes on when you were lounging. But apart from that, you, yeah. I've noticed that thing I've been roommates with. You know, it's a lot of time is spent in his birthday suit. <laughs> it's got to be comfortable in your body comfortable in your own skin all right of the three of you or four of you who gets in trouble at the pub more matt oh, i don't know matt, matt. Yeah. <laughs> he just messaged actually because he's too young he, like just doesn't he handle himself oh he uh yeah he just finds himself in gets himself in some situations i guess you can say yeah you didn't teach him very well He's not the he's not the greatest student. <laughs> All right, last quick fire. Somebody's hosting a house party. Cops come to break it up. Who's getting away and who's getting picked up by the police? Matt Bookaboom's getting picked up by the cops because he's the drunkest <laughs> girl of the party. <laughs> yeah, Matt will get picked up. Yeah. The three of you getting away? Yeah, we'd be getting yeah, away. back myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks very much. Those are fun. I got a couple of left and then uh, and then we'll sign off here. So as most of you probably know, in Canada and North America, there's a stigma that rugby can be brutally violent and, and a dangerous sport. What would you guys tell parents that were concerned about letting their son or daughter play, especially if it would affect what they think is their chance for their son or daughter achieving a higher level at a different sport? Like, you know, at the school I coach at, we've got a prep hockey and a prep basketball team. And a lot of times their parents won't even let them come out even to try rugby, let alone play a game. How do you, how would you guys convince those parents that, you know, it's worth a go? Like, or, or is it, is it not? Like, what are your thoughts there? For me, the, the biggest thing I, I always saw when I grew up playing in Canada was the fact that people started later. So your education around it, you know, you look at hockey, you guys start playing, what guys, when do you start playing boots? Five? Oh, Six? yeah. As soon as you yeah. Can start walking in Canada, they slap a pair of skates on you. Exactly. And you don't, <laughs> you don't hit, you don't, you don't, you don't legally hit or whatever when you're young. So the earlier you get into rugby, it's, it's built progressively. So when you get to a point where the contact and everything is up to the level and speed it should be, you understand how to take contact. You understand how to fall. You understand how to tackle properly. And the problem I always saw was guys that came in um, who had never played before, tackling upright, running, you know, not expecting where contact's coming from, things like that, which lead to, you know, injury. 
but no more so than uh, you know doing. If I if I went and played hockey next week, or when I was eighteen, if I tried to go out and play, I would have been in all sorts of bits probably because I just didn't know how my body was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do in situations because it, it, it's not built up in me. Whereas if we get these guys and girls into it earlier, then you understand it, your body feels it. It's all part of that body and mind linking up. So I'd say to any parents is that, you know, get them involved early. They got a way less likelihood of picking up anything that's unnecessary. You know? That's fair. Yeah, I agree. We, we started, I started doing, Rugby, when I started, I started late in Australia at 10 years old. And it's full contact, lifting and line outs. The scrum, you could only push like a meter and a half or something. But, you know, you had Did eight you on eight scrums. At 10 years old, you were te- they were teaching how to tackle and lift and line outs and stuff? Well, they'd already been doing it. So I was late to the party at 10 years old. I, joined, I, I was a reasonable football player before that. And um, so I came late to the party. Uh, but, yeah, so... But you, I think that it's actually, yeah, like you say, the younger you start, the better because you have, you're not strong and you're not fast when you're a kid and, you know, you're made of rubber and you learn these things with less impact. And I'd say, like, you see injuries in the professional game and there's a lot talked of, like, sort of written and spoken about that, but that's a whole other story. Is like the, the size and power of the players these days is, like, they're heavier and faster and stronger than they've ever been before. And that's kind of where the injuries are. It's at the top end of the game. Like, very rarely do you see like a like a real injury in a in a kids game or even in like a high school game. But I, you know, I used to go back and watch my high school play. There's not really many injuries because they're not that big, they're not that heavy, and you know, it's yeah, it's not not giant humans running really fast into each other full speed. Like it's just it's yeah. So I think like Mev says just as much as any other sport really and it's really fun you get to beat people up and then have beer with them after or you know when you're a kid not a beer but a coke yeah that's good brett what about you yeah i think evan and matt you know uh brought us some great points and what i would say is uh coaches in rugby and the way rugby's um taught as you're growing up you know you're they're taught a lot of these physical contact skills so um, you're taught to do it safely. You're taught you're taught to tackle safely, um, and all the all the appropriate stuff to mitigate as many injuries as possible. And then what I would also tell parents is there's not too many other team sports that have that unity and teach as much outside of the game as rugby does. You know, rugby is it's ultimate team sport and. If you want your kid to learn valuable life lessons, I think it's important they they yeah, uh, pursue rugby or play a bit of rugby because it again it teaches so many valuable lessons uh, that you can take on later in life. That's good. That kind of leads into the next question. Just a follow up. Uh, a buddy of mine, he's the athletic therapist at our school, and is I'm teaching his kid grade ten this year, and his kid's a good athlete, nice, really nice kid but his dad won't let him play. And I said, why not? You like rugby? Because I do like rugby, but just not at the high school level. If he wants to play when he gets to university, I'm fine with that. His argument is that he's seen too many games in, in New Brunswick, at least where the coaches don't teach properly. And I think that really sours a lot of people. If the coaches aren't trained properly, or if they ain't put through their, if they're not put through their paces properly in order to teach, you know, 15 year olds, 13 year olds, 17 year olds, proper tackling, proper, you know, falling with the ball, et cetera, like that. So in the East Coast, at least, it might be a little harder, but we are doing rookie rugby programs here 
uh, try and get kids invested early and parents invested early as well. So last question, and, and Brett, you were kind of answering this one already, but for you, for you three, what makes rugby different from other sports? Like what's a selling feature? What, it, it, you know, if you're going to sell rugby to somebody, what would you say? Uh, I guess I'll carry on a bit as to what I was saying before, you know, it's ultimate team sport and um, to sell it to, to Canadian parents and sell it to Canadians, I think rugby, you know, it opens up, it lets you see the world. You know, there's a lot of rugby tours associated with high yeah. club teams here. It, it takes you to spots where you wouldn't regularly visit. It takes like, uh, and it, you know, gives you all these different cultural experiences and uh, it's a great avenue just to learn important life lessons. Yeah, you know, echo that in a way. It's just that instant camaraderie. You could go, it's like, even if you're no good, right? Even if you just wanted to show up and play third division stuff on a Sunday and have some fun, you can move anywhere in the world pretty much within reason. I understand anybody who wants to be funny and start digging out the... Um, the map and stuff but you could pretty much go anywhere where rugby is a thing and you could make 30 to 40 friends instantly by showing up on a Thursday night and having a run around you're accepted people treat people in a way that is uh unjudgmental um and very you know I, I I've never been to a rugby club where you aren't welcomed until you know people step over the line and do something wrong obviously the, the community calls you out that way too it's just it, it, rugby's based on respect um and that's on and off the field which is you know a huge platform of why it breeds so many good people uh and you look at rugby the modern era of rugby which encompasses everybody you know look how strong the women's game's getting now look how strong um just general nations are becoming you know you look at your spain and your Portugal's, Uruguay, all these South American countries that are thriving, they're building communities from, you hear these stories of guys who have absolutely nothing, and then they form a team and get together and they have built a nation that has just adopted this sport because it's so caring about everybody. So for me, I think if you're not going to get anywhere in it, if you want to look at it from a professional or an international level, what it's going to give back to you by just opening yourself up to be a part of that, could, could be hugely beneficial like Boog said about traveling the world even good points yeah that's and, and since those guys have I, I agree completely with what those two points are so I'll go a little slightly different approach like if you so the, the question is like why you should play rugby is it that's, yeah that's what we're looking at so I'd say like from a professional perspective it's a lot easier I would say to become a professional rugby player than it is say to become like a professional football player or an ice hockey player just because I think there's there's more like there's more X factor sort of that goes into it. If you if you catch my meaning, there's it's not as much of a straight clear cut. You have to run this speed, lift this weight, be able to do this on a test score, and that makes you a professional like there would be in some of the American sports. It's more like up to your sort of creativity and your thing. And football would be similar, but there's obviously. The, the salary is so high that every single person in the entire world would, you know, sell their grandmother to become a professional footballer in England. But, you know, you can get a, you can get a pretty reasonable job, you know, playing professional rugby in 
Romania, Spain, France, England, America and Canada now, the South Americans, they've got a league. So if you want to make a job of it, that's probably the sport to go for if you're sort of reasonably talented at many things. Unless you're, unless you're the best hockey player in your whole area, you're probably not going to make it. Unless you're the best football player. But if you're Australian, you've got to be the best football player in Australia to get a you know, contract in the uh, English Premier League or something like that. Whereas with rugby, I think it just gives you more chances because, like I say, it is so global and it's, it does have those values. And the other thing that I think really sets it apart is diving hasn't really made it into rugby yet. It's sort of creeping in there a little bit, but that's another reason why you should play rugby because you don't have too many people faking injuries and that just absolutely kills me about a lot of other sports, people pretending they're injured all the time. I agree. I agree too that it seems to not slowly be creeping in, but maybe sometime the little lack of respect towards ref is starting to fade a little bit like that. But I agree that's uh It's definitely creeping in. Like the, the diving thing, like in France, you see it every now and then and it just grinds your gears, but it, that's because there's too much football here. But yeah, it is like, yeah, the, the, the respect of the ref, the respect of each other. I think these are all like really important values that, that rugby teaches that a lot of other sports have lost or maybe this never had to begin with. That's fair. Good points. All right, guys, listen, I, I, want, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Evan, I know you got supper getting ready there and Brett's got your firefighting training and Matt, you might have to go for another walk. I'm not really sure. Probably have to do some more of that 10 K run, but really guys really appreciate you taking the time here. Just thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Oh, that was good. Lots of great stories and laughs of the boys. I love the quick fire section when we have, it's one of my favorite sections anyway, but when we have three or four on there and they can kind of banter back and forth at each other, it's, it's always good. Olmstead got picked on a lot there, but uh, all in good fun. Uh, thanks very much for that boys. It was, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us coming up soon. As I said, we've got Matt Tierney. He's going to be our next guest. So his pod will be dropping next weekend. Matt Evans, as I said, he and I are chatting this weekend. So his pod will be ready in a couple of weeks. Tom Woods and I are still trying to nail down a date. Alicia Allaire, as you know, she's over in Dubai with the uh, Canada 7, so I'm just kind of waiting for her to get back on Canadian soil. And then also we've got the Women's 2014 Rugby World Cup Roundtable. That one's going to be fun. We've got three or four women lined up to go on there. And as I, I've mentioned in the past, my goal is to try and highlight players from each World Cup on the men's and women's side and do a bit of a discussion about those specific tournaments. That'll be a lot of fun. And then local legends, we have another local legend series lined up. We're going to look in the Oakville Crusaders out of Oakville, Ontario. So we're just, uh, we're lining up some dates to get that conversation underway as well. And lastly, you all know, I, I really appreciate that uh, you take the time to either watch this podcast or you listen to it. But I, I appreciate it more when you, when you spread the word. You know, who, who know, who's, who, who all wants to hear these stories from these great guys? Like, if you, if you enjoy listening to Evan, Brett, and Matt, uh, you know, Books and Mevs and Evan, like just make sure that you share it. Send it to a buddy that's on his way to work or make sure it gets shared around on your social media so that other people get a chance to listen to what these guys are saying and learn a little bit about Canadian rugby and what it takes to be a Canadian rugby. As always, guys, thanks my son, Rylan, for uh, supplying us with our music. And as always, always feel free to request topics for future podcasts it's always great uh, when i hear from people that say they want uh, they want to hear a question or they want to talk to a specific guest anyway that's it for me so this is jamie and until next time i want you to stay safe stay healthy stay sane and most importantly keep on rocking <laughs>